Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, Kules, and welcome to Barca Talk. I'm your host, Gabriel Quiroga, in the Spanish capital. And with me to talk about this week that was FC Barcelona is Craig McGuff in the UK. Craig, how are we doing, buddy? Really good. How about you? Yeah, much better. You know, the sun the sun was out this weekend, so Madrid was alive for sure. Can't complain considering the circumstances. How about you? Yeah, we're covered in snow. It's been, it's been freezing. Um, and then I was speaking to someone uh, who lived in Minneapolis last mm-hmm. week, and I was saying it's freezing. We're... It's minus two. We've got, you know, two inches of snow. And then I seen some pictures from Minneapolis and decided to um, stop complaining about the UK because <laughs> it looks crazy over there. So, yeah, apart from being cold, I'm really good. Yeah. In today's episode, we're going to go over the Copa del Rey defeat against Sevilla, where we lost 2-0. And then we're going to review the La Liga matchup last night against Alaves, where Barcelona had a fiesta of goals, uh, winning 5-1. to one. But first, let's get into the one-touch you know, I love one-touch passing when I used to play, so this, this yeah. should be pretty fun on, on this type of end of just Barca debate. So the first thing I have for you is Umtiti's washed up and should only play rotational purposes, and I would just say, if any games anymore, because he's making way too many mistakes, really common mistakes, really bad communication mistakes. You know, and it's crazy that maybe three or four years ago, no, two two or three years ago, he was probably one of my favorite players, one of the best defensive players we had, and now I don't know what's going on. And more importantly, he's conceding too many of the goals when he plays. Uh, for me, I would say, actually, as a positive, I think Trincao could be our new Pedro. I don't like comparing players to players, but I look at him and I, I really like him. And I think he could be that spark that teams don't double team because they don't think he's a Messi or a Griezmann but he could provide some real value for us in the top half of the pitch. Uh, for my next one-touch take, for Alba being a Hall of Fame left back for Barca, his crossing is statistically one of the worst I've ever seen, and it continues to infuriate me. I don't understand. You know, we always remember the great passes that he's made through the middle, like the Clasico, right, against uh, Madrid, where Messi came in the last minute, and those are the moments of passing, yes, but man, his quantity of bad passes to the conversion just drives me crazy. Yeah, it's horrible. It's horrible. I can't think of a better word for it. It's borderline criminal. Speaking of fullbacks, my next take is that if he carries on his current trajectory, I think Mingessa could keep Dest out of the team on current form, even though I don't think he is a right back necessarily. I think, although I like Dest, Mingessa has given us something that I really, really like at the minute, and I think he could be really cementing himself into a first team place. I want to see Destmar because I think he fits in that role. But my next take is 
Craig, why is there always a remontada? Why? Like in the last six years, I feel like every time now, whatever competition, it's a remontada. Remontada, remontada, remontada. Why can't we just get a 0-0 tie? Like to me, it's just like play the, uh, the percentages. And I talked about this with Mariana in the Barca Talk Cafe. The last match in the Copa del Rey when it was a single elimination, they looked like they had more ganas, more fight in that one match. And now with this home and away already, they kind of looked lazier. They kind of looked, all right, we already have a second match. So, Craig, again, I'm just tired of all these remontadas in the last five years. <laughs> yeah, speaking of young players, my next take is that I genuinely believe that if all of the young players that we're betting in this season, we've seen Mariba uh, this week, we've seen Conrad get some game time, we've obviously got Dest that's come through, uh, well, sorry, I mean Guest has come through, Araujo, I think that this season could set us up for many years of success following this season, assuming that these guys carry on their trajectory. And I'm probably the most positive I have been at any point this season. You have a really great point. These are the young players that we've been, you know, clamoring to get more playing time. Now, my my next take is has to do with the VAR. And again, there was another VAR controversy in the match against Alaves last night in the, in the second goal with with Messi and Trincao. And, and again, this is the, the thing that bothers me the most is that the referees still don't get tagged enough to look at VAR, right? And I think for next season, La Liga should look at an NFL-style system where they can, where a coach has one challenge per match to throw the flag. So at least you can kind of take the VAR out of this controversy every La Liga match. So that was our one-touch segment. And in today's show, we're going to deep dive and ask ourselves if Kuman is becoming the right coach for this Barca. Also, we know Dembele is lethal in the open. After the break, we break down what he needs to improve in order to beat more defenders and get more goals. Hey, this is Brian with Barca Talk. You know we'd love for you to support this podcast on Patreon, and here are two reasons why you should. One, our private podcast feed for supporters, with no advertising and none of what I'm doing right now, asking you to support the show. And two, the chat between supporters and hosts of the show we have going on WhatsApp. There are more benefits I haven't mentioned, so follow the link in our show notes to our Patreon page, learn more, and consider supporting us. Thanks. Now back to the show. We're breaking down Dembele's best moves and how he could master those moves to earn more goals and obviously help Barcelona in the future. Dembele just played his 100th game against Alaves over the weekend, and we knew when he came he could be a lethal attacker for Barca. However, injuries have limited his playing time, but he is one of the most explosive attackers that FC Barcelona has, and ever since his arrival to the Camp Nou, he has been one of the most exciting players, I would say, in the last 25 years. Though he's one of the most exciting explosive players, he still needs to figure out which moves work best for him to beat defenders and obviously score more goals. So let's dissect Dembele, Craig. Let's first talk about his goal output, right? So, mm. you know, looking up the stats, like we have this great stat machine that we use for, for our stats on Y Scout. They break down his goals per game at 0.36 this season and an XG of 0.29. And in comparison with Messi, Messi has a 0.66 and an XG of 0.77. How many goals do you think consistently he could do every season if he does master moves and gets better at ball security? Uh, I mean, in terms of raw natural talent, there's no there's no reason why he couldn't be up there with, you know, messy levels of uh, of output. You can see that when he's in the right positions, you know, he, he scores some amazing goals and he he actually seems to be more confident in front of goal when he's got no time to think. So I think in, it's not about technique or ability shooting. I think it's actually been in the right positions to, to take some shots. I, I think he could be significantly more fruitful for us in the years. And I think it's where he's finding himself 
on the ball, who's surrounding him, and just where he is on the pitch. If we look at his goal output in the past seasons, in 2018-19, he had his best season, 14 total goals. But the other seasons have been under underwhelming just because of injuries and lack of playing time. Now, I think personally, I think he could definitely hit the 15 per season just with the amount of opportunities and matches. But it really all depends on how healthy he is. I think, you know, if he can get to that 10 to 15, I think he could be so lethal for Barcelona because that speed alone that he can do. But more importantly, just the goal output, right? Like if Griezmann also puts another 10 to 15 and we still have Messi and obviously another 10 to 15, all of a sudden you're talking about a trident that's really potent and that XG and goal per game is really going to improve. You've got a feel for him because obviously injuries have absolutely ravaged his career at Barcelona. And I think it wasn't just the time that he was out with injuries that, you know, naturally less games played, less chance to score. But if we look at those seasons where he was coming back, so, you know, particularly 17, 18, and then we look at 19, 20, even when he came back and played, similar to what we said, you know, with regards to Umtiti at times, he doesn't look like he trusts his body or didn't, I would say. I think what I've seen from him this season is that he looks a lot more at home in his own skin. He looks like he trusts his legs again. And I think for a professional athlete, particularly one that runs at that pace, I think that will really stand him in good stead. And I sincerely hope that he gets a good run, not even of form necessarily, but just a good run of health. And I think if we look at the numbers, as you said, 18, 19, his best season, he was on 14. We're on six so far. So whilst, yes, we can compare that with others and the output that other players are giving us, but that's a solid start for Dembele. That that shows a bit of consistency that we probably haven't seen in a couple of years. Uh, and also the other thing that, I think it's harsh for him is that he came with a very large price tag, which as we always say, isn't his fault. And also he plays in a team with a man in Messi, who's just a statistical freak and who puts up numbers that have skewed the game. You know, him and Ronaldo have made 40 and 50 goals look normal. Whereas if you scored 25 before these guys, you were taking home a golden boot and a new contract and a new magazine deal. And everyone thought you were a hero. So I think there's lots of things that we need to put in the mix when we when we start analyzing Dembele. But I, I do think he's trajecting upwards. Yeah, definitely. And you you highlighted here, you know, just the comparison of him and Braithwaite so far mm. in the last season and a half. Yeah. And I think, you know, we look at the numbers and that, you know, Braithwaite in a season and a half has got seven goals for us. Uh, he's a number nine and, you know, we could argue whether that was good or bad, but we got him for, we got him for, you know, for peanuts. Whereas with Dembele in the last season and a half because of injuries, he's also on seven. So we've got a hundred million pound plus player giving us the same as Brathwaite, who I think we all agree is a great guy, but not good enough. And so I think on, on the surface, it's probably easier to, to really cast some shade at Dembele and, and his output. But I think really to truly understand where we are with him, we need to go beyond the numbers, which is sometimes difficult to do in football and certainly for the media within football. But, you know, I think he's definitely trending upwards. But what I would say is that on outputs alone, we, we really need to start seeing some some good returns from Dembele. And, I, and I, I, he needs this trajectory to continue or else we, we probably need to be recouping some of the money back if we aren't able to get some of the, the stats that, that we thought we were getting. For sure. And I also think, you know, one of the, you know, I love watching him 
just the explosiveness because as a player I was never fast and when I see mm. someone as fast as Dembele it would often scare me right because I was not mm. the fastest and I would always have to pay more attention to this now I think you know Dembele especially in, in when I've been hyper focused especially in the last three matches I think one of the things he really needs to work on is ball security and I just think he always plays so loose with the ball and I and it's one of those things where if he was a La Masia product, I think he would, his ball control and ball security would be much tighter. It's one of those things where I always feel that he always shows the ball too much. Now, on the season, he's averaging 64% successful plays, right? That thing, that number needs to be closer to 80, right? Because the amount of times that he loses the ball, that means it's a counter going the other way. What I think is really interesting with Dembele is that you, your point about Lamassi is a great one, and I agree. I think he would be better at, at, at ball security. But Dembele, outside of Barca and Ajax, is probably from the the only other uh, school of football that should actually allow him to flourish here is, is the French style. So their, their youth football is notorious for being very big on uh, on the fundamentals of football, your touch, your passing, protecting the ball, positional play. Um, and I think you only need to look at, in my opinion, the, the the best French player that we'll ever have in Henri to see what Dembele could be. Now, I'm not just I'm not just singling Henri out because he's French, but it's a it's a really easy comparison to make because they're compatriots. But Henri was a master at using his pace, not just to scare defenders when he was running, but to scare defenders when he wasn't because they never knew when he would go. For me, Dembele doesn't do that enough. He's quite one dimensional when he runs. Um, and I think, you know, I've, I've got I've got lots of thoughts about when he should run and where he should run. But I think that's one of the, the areas that I would look for, for him to improve is that, you know, we need to control the ball in, in numerous ways. And that's not just beating men and getting the ball. It's holding the ball. It's running the clock. It's allowing people to get back in. And Henri was amazing at that. And it's interesting that that's something that Dembele struggles with. And maybe it's because he, he went to, to Germany so young. I'm not sure. But. It's an interesting diversion from where you'd expect young French players to be, that's for sure. Yeah, sir. and that's the thing is, you know, like that's a great point you just brought up about holding the ball for clock, for killing the clock, right? And those are the moments, especially when you are in Champions League, for example, in this week when we play against PSG. These are the moments where you have to play smart football, right? You have to win off the clock, go to the corner flag, hold the ball, try to keep, you know, possession essentially, mm. you know. As I look about the last two matches against Sevilla, he had 103 opportunities, 48 were successful, Craig, and 55 were mm. unsuccessful. That is, to me, that is too careless with the ball. And you have to know the moments of when to take 1v1. But more importantly, is there an opportunity there? What's the chance I should take? And obviously in the Alavis match, he came in late, so he only had 10 opportunities, and he was 10 successful opportunities. But when I was watching the video... You know, a lot of it's just like a winning head, a quick pass because it was in the last part of the game. And obviously the game was won. Again, I think Dembele really needs to, you know, if we're looking at this as like a money ball statistical analysis thing, mm. if we can get him up to 75 percent successful plays for the season, I think the play and his goal output would dramatically increase. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting that these are the two matches and, and this this is the time that we've chosen to talk about him. And it's, I think it's because of these matches that we've really picked this up, which is. Look at those numbers and look at the scenario that he found himself in. Now, it's easy to say, well, it was late in the game. I think that's a red herring. I think the fact is the game was basically won. And where I think we see the best Dembele is where he's not thinking. I've said this a lot. I think when he thinks he makes bad choices, he he overthinks it or he underthinks it and he does something silly. 
where we've seen the best Dembele this season has been when either there is no pressure on him or he has no time. He has no time to shoot, uh, sorry, to think about where he's shooting and you find it going in the top corner. He has no time to think about where to pass it. And that's where his short passing has got has got better. It's because it's a case of, I need to get this ball out and then I go. Where he seems to struggle is when he's got time to think or there's pressure on his shoulders. So that that for me is also a really interesting insight into, into the guy's character. And it can go one of two ways. He either... Uh, doesn't believe in himself or he wants to achieve so badly that he finds himself making silly choices. And I actually believe it's the latter. I think it's because he wants to be a success. You can see in his body language, you know, he, he wants to be liked and he wants to succeed. And I remember that image of when he scored last, last season, two seasons ago, no one celebrated with him. You could see that it really, really affected him. So I think if we can get a, a confident uh, Dembele who's playing without overthinking it, then maybe that's when we'll see the best of him. Similar to Messi, you get the best Messi either when he's got a free roll and can do what he wants, or he's angry and he has something to prove. I think maybe with Dembele, we'll find a a little frame of mind that he can start to take the pressure off. And maybe what he needs is a solid season this year, get up to 12, 13, 14 goals or whatever, equal his best output, keep fit get back into the team, get back in the system. And maybe next year we'll see him really explode into it. But these two, these two games are really interesting for me and how I perceive Dembele and the stats back it up. Um, what's your take on him mentally? Where, where do you see him? Yeah, I think he's definitely improved. And I, I also think also because there are more French on the contingency right now, right on the contingent team right now. Mm. And I think that really helps. I mean, you know, it's one of, you know, especially, when you move to another country or move to another team in this situation and you're the lone man out, it's very difficult, right? I mean, I think when he first came to the team, there was a disconnect because of the age, right? The, with the veterans and him. And I think that really, and now I feel like he's definitely more confident. I also think he's more comfortable in Barcelona and also what is expected of him. And also on top of that, obviously with the health, that's going to add to the confidence and also how he's feeling. You know, before, you know, in the last two to three years here in Spain, they used to just berate him about Mm. his game, you know, his video game playing, the way he wasn't disciplined. And part of that's true. You know, he was not as disciplined as he should have been. Now that he's actually playing a lot of matches this season and really contributing to the team, it's a different take on it you know now the last thing i want to get to before we kind of dissect his moves is just his passing you've you know you've talked about this in our whatsapp group many a time and you know this is one of the other things that i think he really needs to improve on because a lot of his passing is either careless or lazy going mm. through the middle which obviously leads to a counter and an unsuccessful moment now in this season he has an 80 percent passing accuracy obviously which is very high but i think you know in the moments of the match that you're watching especially in these past two matches you know some, like you said, sometimes he loses the mental focus, and when he thinks too much, those bad passes translates to counterattacks. And we've seen this season that many teams are converting at a higher rate on the counterattacks. Yeah, and his stats are quite misleading, aren't they? You know, and again, we've we've been we've been able to break this down, and his eighty percent passing accuracy is is good. It's where we'd want someone to be. It's you know, it's Barca standard. But if you break that down in terms of forward passes or lateral passes in the final third and, and backwards passes, we've got some real skewed stats here. So we've got backward passes at 90%. And in terms of his uh, passes to the box and his crossing, they're around 30%. And that's that's horrible. That That's awful. Let's be brutally honest. And, and again, going back to my point earlier, I think that's what we're seeing as Dembele, the, the full picture. 
those backward passes aren't just I've got nothing on. I'm going to pla- I'm going to pass it back five yards to my fullback. Them passes in a game are I've got someone right up my arse. Pardon my French. I need to get this ball out before I get tackled or I or I take a hit. And the, and again, he's not thinking about those backward passes or there is no pressure on him. It's one or the other. He's either really high pressure or there's no pressure. Where we start to struggle is when he's got a little bit of time, but not enough time. And that's a very strange thing to watch someone go through the motions of that. And so that that's why I hope we really get the mental aspect sorted for him, because it's clear that the the inane projects, the innate projects, sorry, in his mind when he's under pressure, allow him to be a, a high level footballer. And for me, the, the big thing I took from these stats, and it's something that that thankfully backs up my my perception of it, is that my worry is that the reason his crosses and his passes to the box are so poor is because he's ran himself so often into a corner or into a brick wall that he tries effectively a Hail Mary cross. He's not aiming for a player, yeah. or as David Beckham used to do, he's not whipping it in to the penalty to, pen, to the penalty spot. And if you aren't there as a striker, that's your fault, not mine as a winger, which was the true Beckham style. He's just hitting it, and it's getting cut out. So again, that's why, you know, when we talk about him being in the wrong positions to cross, I think that's what we see is that he's ran too quickly towards the byline. The ball's going to go out of play, so he just tries to get it in. And we, we need we need to stop that because that that's not what we've ever got success from ever in my time watching Barcelona. If we've put the ball in the box, it's been for a purpose. It's been for a reason. It hasn't been just because we don't know what else to do. And I think that's where the worst of Dembele comes out to be honest. Yeah, it's a good point. The 33% really definitely stands out for me because again, if, if you get it to 45, it's just a numbers game, right? If you get it to 45%, let's say, then all of a sudden that's maybe an extra two goals. And then all of a sudden who knows when that's going to happen, right? All this is all about numbers, more opportunities, more goal scoring chances. And obviously with our attacking trio, we should be able to convert at a higher rate. Now let's get into his moves, right? So the first move that you've highlighted is just more about using the space you know especially at the at the halfway line right where he kind of almost dips his shoulder takes it to the end line right i definitely think this is obviously a move that needs to be exploited more especially when teams are pressing us really high yeah and again i'm going to go back to the thierry Henry example here do you remember when we beat valencia 3-2 in 2000 and it would have it was it was either December 2008 or January 2009, because it was freezing. I was in Camp Nou. <laughs> and Henri scored a hat-trick. Messi was terrible. We looked awful, and Henri scored a hat-trick. Two of the goals that Henri scored were because he took a ball down and instantly exploded into about 35 or 40 yards of space. It was an amazing sight to see. We played, we played awful, and he dragged us out of it. And that's the thing that we don't see Dembele do enough, is use his pace sensibly. He can beat arguably anyone in the league in a race. And yet what he does so often is start his run far too close to the opposition's goal, which might sound a little bit counterintuitive. Well, why wouldn't you beat the defender closer to the goal? But he runs out of space too quick. And the analogy that I would say is it's like a Ferrari trying to get to 100 mile an hour on the driveway leading up to your garage. You just don't have enough room. You're either going to crash or you're not going to get there. And that, that's the first thing that I would like to see him do is, is maybe if that means he plays slightly deeper because his heat map that we see definitely has him high up the pitch. But if he's going to use his biggest strength in his armory, which is his pace, I think he needs to drop back 10 or 15 yards and really have the chance to get past someone because at the minute 
He's just running the ball out of play, or as, we're, or as we've just highlighted, he's getting to the point where he has no option but to just hit and hope into the box. So, so for me, that that's the obvious starting point. Yeah, for sure. And the other thing too is I think he just needs to understand the spacing more, right? And also use his body to shield yeah. defenders, right? It it always reminds me in, in basketball. You're always taught when you're on a fast break, free throw line extended, you break into the to the to the basket. And I don't feel Dembele does that. He is always out wide, which is great, but he's always going in a straight line to the corner, mm-hmm. right? It's never going at an angle for a goal-scoring opportunity. I think that that could come eventually. That's just coming with more playing time and understanding your body. I think if he you know, maybe bulks up another five pounds upper body, I think he'd be able to shield. But then again, do you yeah. lose the speed if you bulk up, right? That's always the, the vice versa. But at the same time, I like you said, I think he needs to utilize that because especially when teams – are playing a high press, we have to exploit that so they do not press as high. So we have more yeah. space to play with, right? Now let's yeah. go on to the second move. Yeah, the other thing is, I, I, and I guess it kind of links to this, which is if you're not going to go past them, then bring them to you. And that's another thing he doesn't quite do enough is he doesn't draw defenders out to him and make them double up. Now, if he was clever at going into the space, I think this would happen. Uh, and we, we see other people do this. Messi, slightly less so nowadays, but he certainly, if we look back maybe two, three or four seasons ago, defenders would double up on Messi because they, they, they were scared that he would beat them. And this opened up so much space for other people to exploit. Rakitic was a really good example of this. Messi would draw two defenders out and Rakitic would just fill the hole. And it was amazing. And I'm not saying that Rakitic would then go and score or assist, but he would move the move and recycle the play so often for us by exploiting those gaps. I don't think Dembele does that. I think Dembele either offers us something brilliant or nothing at all. Whereas I think what he could do is meet in the middle and start, as you've said, exploiting split, uh, exploiting space, but actually not just exploiting it, but creating it for us as well. I don't think he does it enough. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You you got to use both, right? You got to use the the opportunity that you might run, right, to draw them out. And hopefully 100%. if two people come out, then all of a sudden there's going to be a void either behind them or there's going to be a cross available. Now, the last thing we've highlighted is just more shooting, right? He's averaging about 40, 44 to 47% shots on target. That needs to be a little bit better. And I also think he's always trying to hit the best goal also, right? Sometimes you just need to get it on target and we can get the ricochet, right? The goals don't always have to be the most beautiful, right? A goal is a goal. And especially when we're fighting in last minutes, you just need to create chaos. And yes, Dembele has is, has the ability to shoot with both foot equally, which is very rare for an attacker at that kind of skill level with the type of goals he's able to score, right? But I think if he just, again, this kind of goes down to the, the concentration level, you know, head down, <laughs> plant the foot and just hit a nice shot, right? It doesn't have to be the yeah. most golasso every time. Well, yeah, and I mean, look at Messi's two goals this, um, this weekend. One of them was, a, it's a good goal, but it's it's probably a bad decision to aim, to aim for that post from that distance. <laughs> but he hits enough of them that, that eventually one of them will go in. You know, keepers don't know where he's going. They don't know if he's going to go left, right, low, high. And so he gets the shot off and he, and he, you know, he gets some luck. And the second one, again, amazing. Different corner, rounds some defenders, amazing. But what you see with Messi is that he gets himself in, in positions where he's playing the odds and the odds are in his favour. Messi will generally shoot from position where he's got more of the goal to hit than less. What we see with Dembele a lot is he's in a position where he's got less of the goal to hit than more. And it's so hard at that point. So despite the fact that, that the Dembele shots on target is a similar level to Messi, Messi's just shooting from better angles. You know, it helps that Messi plays in more centrally. But if you look at where they line up, 
they're not sharing two dissimilar spaces on a heat map. I think Messi just makes slightly better decisions. So yeah, if it was for me, I would say one, definitely exploit the fact that you're two foot with more, make defenders and goalkeepers guess a little bit more. Uh, two, I would say he needs to stop cutting back in every time and, and, and almost being static when he shoots. Sometimes having that momentum, as, as we saw with Messi's first goal yesterday, having that momentum allows you to generate a bit more power. And finally, just play the angles more in your favor. If you're, you know, if you're a quarterback and every single throw is to, you know, back shoulder in the corner of the end zone, don't be surprised when your stats look like Sam Darnold. You know, ultimately you've got to make the game work for you rather than making everything difficult. So he's he's got all of the raw talent in terms of his shooting. His stats are actually okay. It's quite scary to think what they could be if he just put himself in better positions in my eyes. Yeah, it's a good point. And, you know, we broke this down. Again, I'm such a fanboy of him because I just love seeing explosive raw power on the football field like this. And to me, just the seeing the speed that kills. Now, just really quick, you know, if he masters this, can he get to a 15 to 20 goals per season type of player for Barca? I think if he I think if he gets this right, he's a he's a Pachichi contender. I Mm. think he he has absolutely everything that you if you were designing a, a an attacking forward that would play out wide you would design you would design Dembele he's not bad in the air he's rapid and defenders should be terrified going back to your point I would I was a fullback for a long time I would hate to face him it would be my nightmare I'd, I would probably be picking up cards very quickly he's got everything that you would need to go and score 25 30 35 goals a season in my eyes um I, I really hope that Larson can work with him and get his decision-making better. And again, I'd like to think that everything that we've discussed has been um, balanced and fair and reasoned and constructive criticism, if it has been criticism. But I think it's all because we see so much in him that we know and want him to succeed. And 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 he is getting better in my eyes. I think we're seeing a better version of Dembele than we have there's just so much more to come from him and he's just a scary scary talent what about you where do you think his ceiling is i mean it's interesting when you brought up the pichichi i didn't even think of that but i mean it's definitely a possibility i mean who else in la liga can match the raw talent that he has right i mean maybe Iñaki williams if you're looking forward i don't see anyone on madrid really you know that's really who i'm putting in the future they're the two players that are equally as explosive and i think in the way he's been able to grow into his body lately i just don't think you know athletic bilbao is just not as attacking as we are so we're gonna have more opportunities but again we are seeing positive steps him playing Absolutely. more matches and you know again i'm really excited to see where we go yeah. well we're going to talk about kuman so when kuman was signed as barca's next coach there was obviously a lot of mixed feelings on the signing with Barca live in all three competitions and currently sitting third because Real Madrid won earlier today, we ask, is Kuman the right coach for this Barca? But first, this quick break. Welcome back to Barca Talk. Now, this week, you know, Barcelona lost in the Copa del Rey match against Sevilla, and then they smashed Alaves 5-1. to one. And, Craig, I believe this is a microcosm of just what the Kuman era has been, a disjointed performance one day, coming back with another great performance the other day, so let's just start off with the Kuman. Is Kuman really, I mean, is he the right coach for this Barca right now? Let's start. Uh, I think the use of the word right now is very clever. Uh, is he the right coach right now? I think so. I think so. I think we're seeing a hell of a lot of positives. Uh, and remember, we're in, a, we're in a very, very, very difficult state at the minute. And I think he's actually, 
he's keeping a lid on a lot of problems at the minute. So I, I would say he is. It's interesting because when he first signed, you know, I didn't want him because I just thought that he was too rigid for Barca. I thought he was too fixed with his formation. And obviously seeing what he did at past teams, I wasn't very excited about him. But, you know, it's it's interesting what, you know, being a Barca fan from month to month, you know, it's just it's a roller coaster of emotions. Yeah, you yeah. know, we we started the season saying we just need to get to fourth, right? And now we are sitting in all competitions, still not playing the best that we can, but you know, we are winning more often than not. And that's that's a credit to him. So let's start off with this. You know, this is you know, the question we want to ask also is, has he turned the team around? I just kind of want to ask you, what would define you as a turnaround? Is it just we win Copa del Rey or do we need to win La Liga as well? And that would be quantified as a turnaround? I don't, I don't think we need to win a trophy at all. Uh, I'm not going to be a, a hypocrite just because we're, we're doing better than I thought we would um, and, and go back and renege on what I said at the start of the season. I said... For this to be a turnaround season, we needed to get some kind of success whilst overhauling the squad's age. Uh, and he's doing that. We, we we have had more players come through and add value of a young age than any time since 2008. I mean, I'd love to see the numbers. Potentially, we've had more debutants than we did in 2008. So I think for me, my idea of a turnaround is give me a squad at the end of the season that can compete for trophies that isn't got, that doesn't have an average age of 34. So for me, I think he's doing it, and I don't. I don't need to see silverware this season for it to be a success. What about you? You know, at the beginning, I was I wanted a bad season, right? Because I think we needed a little bit of a pushback, just to kind of knock us off our perch, to have kind of reality set in about how hard it is to win in world football, especially mm. with the team that we have and also the finances. But again, you know, I'm not. I'm still not a Kuman fan because I think he still lacks some things. But again, like you said with the young players and substitutions, which we're going to talk about in a second, I think yeah. it's definitely trending in the right way. Now let's just kind of talk about his style. You know, when he came to Barca, he was iron fisted to say four, two, three, one and nothing else. Right. We've seen it in Everton. We saw it in the Dutch national team that he was a four, two, three, one. And he thought that he was going to be able to unlock De Jong in that formation. He has since ditched that, you know, what would you talk about Kuman style? Are you are you adapting to it or are you still kind of struggling with this with this style that we're seeing on a week to week basis? Well, I I really like the four, two, three, one. I just didn't like the people he put in it, to be to be brutally honest. I thought there was times in the season where we looked really, really good. And I, I remember us doing a podcast where we talked about the defensive frailties of that system. And we looked at the personnel groupings that has played in it, and we had a we had a specific group of people from memory. I think it was De Jong and Pjanic at the time. And we said, but we haven't conceded when these two are in that position. But when we look at Busquets and any other person, we're, we're shipping goals left, right and centre. So I think for me, it wasn't the system. It was the people he was putting in that system. And I and I enjoyed the style of football we played, 4-2-3-1. Uh, but now that we've reverted back to, the, I guess, the more conventional 4-3-3, I'm genuinely really, really enjoying the football we're playing recently. Even the games that we're losing, I'm quite enjoying them. And, you know, and if we break football down to its fundamental components, it's something we all watch as a hobby. None of our jobs depending on it. We don't have any financial skin in the game that we need success. It's something that we do to disconnect and, and something that we do to enjoy. And I'm enjoying it. And because of that, I feel such reluctance to really criticize. I, I haven't warmed to him as a man. 
I think he's been everything I thought he would be. He's he's a very um, stereotypically Dutch, stoic, resilient, uh, was, uh, almost with a touch of arrogance about him. Very similar to Cruyff. Let's let's not forget that Cruyff had a lot of the same flaws that that Koeman had as a man, even if he didn't have them as a footballer. So I, I wouldn't say I was surprised by anything he's done, but. I just think that he's been the right man to do this. If we all accept that he's going to be here for a very finite period of time, we needed someone that could come in with the arrogance, the ego, the experience and the wherewithal to overhaul a squad of overpaid, overaged players. And he's doing that. And I, and I find it so hard to criticize him, even though I don't want him here next season, which <laughs> I also wrestle with that is that I don't want to be in Madrid and get rid of, successful managers and I'm saying he's been successful. So I, yeah, I, I've just really tied myself up in knots there, but my answer is I am enjoying him. <laughs> I am enjoying the football, but I hope it's not a long-term thing. I mean, again, it's, it's so hard because there's just no consistency, right? Like you said, yes, I think the games are definitely more enjoyable this season because of the unpredictability, right? I think that is a huge factor in it. We don't know, What's going to happen? And I think yeah. that has added to the viewing pleasure of it because in the last two seasons, let's be honest, we knew we were going to do the same thing. We were going to try to, you know, we were going to win seven out of 10 games essentially. And it was going to be the same thing, but there was just no, there was no passion as my Italian friend would say. There was no, mm. I don't know, just everything looked very lackluster. Right. And now it's, it's the unpredictability that has really added the excitement to watch Barca yeah. week in and week out. Now, another thing I want to highlight, you know, I think for me, was the substitutions that he's been using. Now, my biggest gripe with Valverde was not using the subs enough and giving rest to the players. And now Kuman is doing that, and he's doing that often. Now, just, you know, in the Alaves match, he used five subs, obviously leading up to the PSG match that's this week. And in the Sevilla match, he used two. So I still think the substitution issue is still an issue because there's just no predictability. It's always kind of just, mm. I'm going to grab this player and see what I can do and just kind of throw it at, you know, like... You know, for example, when we were trying to uh, have the comeback against um, Rayo Vallecano, for example, and he just like sticks in Trincao and just is like, go, go after it. And just kind of there's no coaching in that ability. Right. You're just throwing a player. There's no advice. And again, the substitution patterns are still unique and again, very unpredictable still. I think unlike Valverde, who would often be bringing on players like Arturo Vidal, Ivan Rakitic, Luis Suarez, you know, he was bringing on players often that had experience. And you could also, you know, you could almost argue at that point, fair enough, he should be able to tell these guys to do an assignment and they should be able to do it. I think the difference I would say with Kuman is that one, he's often picking from a fairly stretched bench in terms of experience. And two, how many times have we seen him, to his credit, I might add, bring on a youngster, at that point. And I think we really need to be careful about overcoaching players in a live match situation. So if you've got Conrad, for example, and it's your third appearance at Barca, you've played all of your time as an attacking right winger. And all of a sudden you have to go on, on the left for whatever reason, the last thing you want is a coach telling you more than you need to know. You need, you need to almost get a, you know, a pat on the backside, a bit of a cuddle, a G up and say, go and enjoy yourself and make something happen. I, I think because Kuman is very rarely picking from people who are fully experienced. I think we have to give him a bit of the benefit of the doubt for what we perceive as a lack of coaching for these subs coming on. I think the other thing is also, it probably just highlights again that it, it, it's a failing of forward planning because, you know, 
if you look at it on an average week, particularly with the injuries that we've had, which again, Kuman can't control. We could argue that he needs to put better training regimes, etc., in, but in reality, he can't control this. It's a contact sport. When was the last time that you looked at it and thought there was a glaringly obvious substitution because someone on the bench was so guaranteed to make an impact? I, I don't really feel that this season. I don't remember a single game really where I've thought, I cannot believe you haven't brought X off the bench before now because X will definitely give us Y. I know there's some people that will say that Ricky Pooja spent far too much time <laughs> on the bench and, and, that, and, and, and that's fair. I'm never going to say those people are wrong. But in reality, we're talking again about a relatively inexperienced yet very good player. So I think we need to be careful not to criticise Kuman because of Valverde's failings and actually look at Kuman in the context of what Kuman is dealing with and the, and the cards that he holds at the poker table. Yeah, it's a good point. And let's let's get into it. I think out of all the things we can talk about, Kuman is he has been the last coach, you know, since maybe Pep really diving into La Masia players and young players, right? So against Sevilla, we had, you know, Minguesa playing. We have Dijon. I'm going to put him as well because obviously he's under 25. Mm-hmm. I would, you know, Pedri, obviously, um, Dembele as well. That was in the Sevilla match. And then in the Alves match, we saw Moriba get the start, right? So diving in with La Masia players, I think, like you said, that it, for me this season has been one of the most exciting aspects of this season because as we talked about earlier in the episode, these are the players that could be the next golden era, right? These are the players that are going to fight for Barca, and I'm really excited to see them because they're almost at another level, right, with the speed that they have, the talent. Now, I have to, you know, we have to give Kuman credit for diving deep into that well. Absolutely, and, you know, the, the one example that stands out to me is how much credit does Kuman deserve for putting Mingessa at right back, a guy that, as we've said several times, wasn't even a particular standout in Barca B, how much credit does, does Kuma deserve for putting him there instead of playing Junior Furpo out of position? That's the easy move. That's the logically logical decision to make is that you play Furpo out of position, hoping that he's a better, more experienced professional. And that to me is a microcosm of Kuman. We might not like certain things that he's doing, but we might see the 2020 the 2020-21 season under Kuman might be the foundations that we lay that allows us to go and get a significant amount of success with players that might not have been given the opportunity under many other managers, largely because of circumstance, but also it still takes a brave man to put them in there and to make them feel comfortable playing. These young kids have got smiles on their faces. They look like they want to express themselves, which again has to be down to managers. So I think it's a, it's a hugely important point. Uh, Kuman could be creating a legacy for himself here that we'll all be thankful for in several years' time. For sure. And the biggest, you know, I would say elephant in the room is, you know, what's going to happen next season with the new president, right? If Especially if he wins Copa del Rey, that's that's a big issue. But more important, let's finish off the segment with, you know, what makes a good Barca manager? You know, I have here on our dock, for me, the biggest thing is tactical adaptivity going forward, especially now in world football. We saw that he went to a 4-2-3-1. He has changed to a 4-3-3. And obviously, I think another one, because we have such high price salary players, it's player locker room management. And the last thing for me is player development, like still taking those players and making them 5 to 10% better. Yeah, I totally agree. I think for me, the two things that stand out, one of them is the, the beauty of the game. As you've said, develop, develop, uh, developing young players, um, making them players play good football and making them something that we want to watch on a, on a weekly basis, no matter where we are in the world. The second thing is just having the uh, the, the 
presence and the persona that you can handle everything that gets thrown at you. Make no mistake, being the Barcelona manager is a toxic, horrible job a lot of the time. The media in Spain is is awful. Um, the pressure that gets thrown at him, the, you know, if, if we drop a point and Madrid win, it's the end of the world. And I think you need to be able to cope with that. And, and for all of his faults, Koeman does that. And I think right now, especially, the situation that this Barca finds itself in, I'm starting to think that Koeman is potentially the best person that we could have got. Pre this and post this, I would disagree. But I think right now, this year, maybe Koeman is the best Barca manager for now that we could have got. Let's just finish off with this. You know, how can he get Barca even better? How could he further get them to the next level? You know, for me, I think the biggest thing I want to see is just some more player development. You know, I just like, for example, with the youngsters, they're getting great playing time. And we've seen kind of their baseline, like, for example, with Pedri, for example. But I just want to see that coaching to help get him another 5% at the end of the season where we can say, okay, Pedri in September because of coaching, now he's making X, Y, Z better passing and more awareness. Like I, that, that to me is one of the most important aspects of the season. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's going to be very hard to quantify because of how many youngsters he's played. But I take your point completely. I, I would actually say it's it's not the youngsters per se. I think it's realistically it's going to be uh, Coutinho and Dembele that, and Griezmann that I want to see that from. But I fully take your point. Uh, for me, very, very easily and very quickly, he needs to get players back and fit more consistently, which isn't in his, in his gift, but he needs that to happen. Secondly, he needs to get a nine from somewhere uh, that realistically can't be this season. But if it, if he stays on, he needs a nine from somewhere that isn't Brathwaite. Uh, and finally, he, he needs to either replace Busquets or he needs to buy another midfielder that he trusts so that Frankie Dion can, can play there instead. That is the one glaring weak error that I can see that we aren't fix, able to fix by injuries is Busquets should not be our starting holder midfielder, and he is. So I think there's there's probably a few things that would make a massive difference. Um, two of them rely on finances. One of them relies on luck. So good luck to him. <laughs> well, speaking of Kuman as a coach, this week is a major week, Craig, because Barca are playing in Champions midweek. Wednesday night, they're, they're facing PSG at the Camp Nou. And Cadiz at home as well on Sunday afternoon in the early kickoff. Really quick, in our WhatsApp group for our patrons, I sent a video of the PSG Ultras sending PSG to Barcelona. So that was pretty crazy. As you can see, the PSG Ultras are on another level. So, Craig, any quick thoughts on those two important matches this week? Uh, I really like watching Cadiz play. I think they're a, they're a great team to watch. That should be a lot of fun, hopefully. Uh, and obviously, we should hopefully get the win there. In terms of PSG, uh, I, I've got a bit of a dislike for them, to be honest. I've had relationships longer than the history that football clubs had. So I think they should probably uh, calm down a little bit. They are throwing money and still not winning. So let's hope we, we really do destroy them because... Um, they're awful. They're the cafe <laughs> of European football. How about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious about the PSG match because I think with all the past two weeks with the Paris media riling up Barca with Messi going, I want to see how Barca react. More importantly, if we can adapt because, Craig, Pochettino has used four different tactical formations in the last five games for PSG. And that, to me, is going to be Mighty huge to see how Kuman adapts and see what happens. So next week, Alejandro and I are going to uh, talk about these matches. And obviously, we're going to review what the, the wake of the week of Barca. And until next week, Forza Barca. Sports
Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 